Welcome to the Police Fit Podcast, where applicants and serving officers can learn how to smash their fitness test and regain their health. With over 11 years experience in the fitness industry and 17 years service in the military and as a first responder, your host, Brad Williams, shares his experience and expertise in helping applicants get their dream job and serving members regain their health. Learn how to increase your health and fitness with actionable steps for first responders by a first responder. So please enjoy this episode of the Police Fit Podcast. G'day guys, welcome to another episode of the Police Fit Podcast. Now if you hear some people working in the background, apologies, uh, the lady across the road is getting her garden done today, so they're out there working away. Um, so a couple of questions this week. Uh, first few I've, I've covered in previous episodes, which I'll drop in the notes section below. Uh, first one's from Brad, great name by the way. Um, pre-workout, good or bad? He said one of the PTs when he was going through the academy said it can cause your body to hold fat around your stomach. Thoughts? Um, my thoughts on the fat around your stomach? Um, I don't know. I've never heard of that. Um, it can, I guess. I guess anything can cause you to hold um, fat around your stomach. Um, I would. I wouldn't. I just, I find it hard to believe, and this is just my opinion, okay, um, you know, take it or leave it. I just find it hard to believe that a certain food or consuming certain things would make you hold fat in one spot more than another. Like people are more, people are prone to hold fat in different areas, like males around the stomach, ladies around their buttocks and thighs. Um but to actually consume something that makes you hold fat in a certain area, um, I don't know. I really don't know about that. <laughs> if I, I could be wrong, but fuck me, I've never heard of it. Um, you know, and it just seems a bit strange. I think. I think, um, yeah, to consume something that would specifically make you hold fat somewhere. Um, yeah, I could be wrong. If I am wrong, please send me a message. Tell me I'm a dickhead. Um, or don't be too aggressive, but you know, send me a link with some information I, I'd like to know. But I have done a talk about pre-workout before. Um, I will drop that in the show notes below. Um, I just talk about you know the benefits, disadvantages of it. I do use it. Um, I use the one from Bulk Nutrients Pre-Workout 101. It is. I don't sponsor the show, unfortunately. Maybe I should um, send them a message, see if they will sponsor the show. Um, but um, yeah, I use all their products, so they're just um, very cost effective, and I feel they work well for me. But I'll put that um, that the show for that in the show notes below. Um, same as the next one from Amber. Any tips from recovering from COVID? Um, not being able to meet the fitness goals um, she was able to reach before beforehand due to chest and lung pain. Now, I have done a talk on coming back from illness. It, it isn't. I didn't talk about coming back from COVID, but COVID is an illness, so treat it as the same. Um, I have spoken about that in a previous podcast, um, so I will drop that in the show notes below. Um, basically, that's getting back into training after illness. In that in that um, episode, I also talk about tips to deal with cravings, um, how to improve your 300-meter sprint, and for all those over in the States, how to improve your 1.5 mile run which is 2.4 kilometers here for anyone listening in australia um so that's all in that show i'll put that in the notes below 
Um, okay, to get into it now. So um, this one's a really good one, and I, I do get this quite a bit. Um, you know, people do want to do it, and this is my thoughts on it. So from Danielle, what are your thoughts on cardio, doing cardio with a weighted vest? Okay, so when would I do it or when would I program it for clients? Basically, if you have a fitness test um, that specifically requires, why can't I say that word? That specifically requires you <laughs> all right, to wear it. So think running, chin-ups, etc. So I have current clients at the moment that do have a fitness test for a specific role in the job that requires them to run with a weighted vest on. And also clients that are training with us that have a specific requirement to do chin-ups in a weighted vest for a specialist role. Now, in their training programs, we have them doing weighted runs. Um, another, one, another one for it is if your job requires you to constantly be in it, um, think a tactical plate vest. Now, um, general duties here in Australia will wear, I'm not sure what it's like in the States. You've probably got plate vests over there um, just due to the firearms. Um, but over here, we wear like a stab vest. So super light, a um, couple of kilos it weighs. It doesn't actually have a plate in it, um, like a body armor plate. Um, so if you're just wearing that every day for work, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't train in a weighted vest because the and I'll talk about this in a second. Um, you know the the weight's not enough um, that it's really going to hinder you, um, or that you need to specifically train for it. If you have a good general um, strength and conditioning base, it won't be an issue at all. Um, so I'd focus more on that side of it rather than trying to get too specific with a weighted vest. Um, so if you're in the states with your body armor plate. I, I would do it, but really randomly. So for our for our clients that, that have a fitness test that specifically requires it, they're doing it weekly. Um, if if I was in the states and wearing one every day, um, I would probably train in it once a month, once a fortnight maximum, and it wouldn't be a big session. Um, that's just to to make me feel comfortable being uncomfortable. Now this goes on to my next point. The other time I would wear it and I've done this for myself, I've got a weighted vest at home, is I'll do it randomly in sessions um, just to push myself and just to make me feel uncomfortable. Um, I find that if you can, and this probably sounds pretty obvious, but if you can consistently make yourself uncomfortable, it you get better at being uncomfortable. Um, so like, and I, and I go back to jujitsu because I love it. Um, so... In jiu-jitsu, you're constantly being made to feel uncomfortable. Someone's squashing you, especially if you're a shit white belt like me, um, you know, you're constantly being made to feel uncomfortable. Now, over the years I've been doing it, I think back to the first time um, someone was squashing me into the ground, how uncomfortable I felt and how much I was like panicking inside um, to fast forward to now when someone's doing it, yeah, it's still uncomfortable, but I'm not panicking. I can still sit there and think and process the situation. Um, so that brings it back to the training with the weight vest. Like if you can, you know, do it once a fortnight, you know, not too much, but push yourself and be really uncomfortable in your training. Then when it comes to the day that hopefully this never happens, but when it comes to the day when you have to chase someone and you're in your vest and you've had a wrestle with them and they're trying to grab your gun, 
right? You're going to feel super fucking uncomfortable. You're going to be out of breath. It's going to be hard. Whereas if you put yourself in those positions previously where you're uncomfortable, you've made it hard for yourself, you're going to be able to think a lot clearer. You know, you're going to be like, fuck, I've been here before. I know what to do. I know how my body's going to react. You know, I know I know what the next step's going to be. Um, so it's about pushing yourself. And I was talking to my brother about this yesterday on the phone, talking about resilience in adults. Um, so like, and I'll just use myself and him as an example. Like we, we had a great upbringing, like no issues at home. Um, you know, fuck, we got everything we wanted, um, probably a bit spoiled. You know, so growing up, in my household, we didn't probably didn't build a lot of resilience through our lifestyle. The way we did build resilience is by playing sports, being pushed, and then also when we joined the military. So there's two main ways to build resilience, right? You're either born, you're either born into a position that's fucking horrendous, and you build resilience that way. And I've got friends that have, you know, that I was in the army with that had like a high level of resilience from being a kid and being born into a, uh, you know, a not great position and having to build that resilience as a young person. Um, and then you had people like myself that built that resilience um, from being in the military and, and doing hard things and putting ourselves in that hard position. Now, since I left the military, you know, I went to a specialist role in the police, um, you know, which was quite difficult. Um, the course was difficult. You know, so it, it again then built that extra resilience. And then once I left the police, I kind of, you know, got put in a position where I have to go out and put myself in those uncomfortable positions to build that resilience. And jiu-jitsu does that for me, um, you know, during my sessions, you know, and it's not every session, but, you know, once a, once a fortnight, you know, I'll do a really fucking horrendous session for no other reason. Like there's no training outcome of it. There's no actual goal except to make me feel super uncomfortable you know just shit repetitive work like there's one i do on the echo bike where i do um you know kettlebell swings and calories you know one uh, 20 calories down to one so 20 19 18 uh, i do kettlebell swings one up to 20. now yeah it's going to improve my cardiovascular fitness and my muscular endurance but I don't have it programmed in as a as a training goal or a training outcome. I have that session there just because it's fucking hard. It's it just it's a mental grind and you just need to push and it creates that resilience. So I'm building that resilience piece. Um, so if you don't have if you don't have a lot of resilience, you need to go out and, and put yourself in those uncomfortable shit positions, you know, to build that resilience. And I see it a lot, um, especially in the role I'm in now with the business. You, know, you you have people come in and they you know they've never really been pushed before um you know through that you know and, and I would have been in that same position if I if I didn't join the military at a young age I my resilience levels would not be what they are today um and that's just because I had a great upbringing like I said um you know so the resilience factor there I didn't really have to build a lot of resilience um as a child whereas you know other people that unfortunately are, are born into a shit position um you know build a lot of resilience early um sorry i went on a bit of a tangent then <laughs> i just it just come up i was talking to my brother about it yesterday and, I, and um yeah i think people need to you know put themselves out there a bit more and build some more resilience just to d- deal with everyday fucking life as well um life becomes a lot easier when your resilience levels are higher um Write that one down. That was good. Um, right. Why wouldn't 
we really went off on a tangent then, sorry. Why wouldn't I um, train in a weight vest? Okay, so the, the extra load on the joints is really bad. Um, that leads into risk of injury. And then you want to look at like risk of injury versus results or desired outcome. So for these clients that are you know doing specific load training because it's in a test, once we finish that test, we will cut it away and give them a massive break, okay? And we won't revisit it unless we have to. Um, in all your training, just think of think of risk of injury versus results or desired outcome. So, you know, is running in a weighted vest once a week or twice a week? What's your risk of injury? You know, it's starting to creep up there, right? What's your desired outcome? So maybe... Maybe you're in the States and you're wearing a you're wearing a plated vest every day, okay? So the heavy, you know, armor armor vest. So you look at it, okay, risk of injury, you know, yeah, it's fairly high. Desired outcome, is that gonna make you better in your tactical vest? Yes, it is. All right, but that risk of injury is also up there pretty high. So we wanna wanna even that out. So now you think about, okay, maybe what if I do it once a week? Okay, you're dropping the risk of injury. Your result or desired outcome is probably going to drop a little bit because you're not training it as much. Okay, but that risk of injury is still quite high for me. I don't like it. You know, maybe drop it down to once a fortnight. So then we look at it. Okay, risk of injury is quite low. Okay, you're doing it once a fortnight. So you're probably going to be rested. You know, that extra impact on the joints is once a fortnight. So we can manage that. You know, results or desired outcome, you know, it's probably not going to be as high as that training in it once a week. Okay, but we're evening out that risk of injury and the results or desired outcome. Okay, so we're evening that out. So I think that once a fortnight is that is that good level. Okay, where we're reducing the risk of injury, but we're still getting the desired outcome from the training, and it's still consistent enough. Right, that's not just the one session you're going to do for the fortnight. Okay, but so that's a one weighted that weighted best session that you're going to do for that fortnight. So we're still going to get that desired outcome that we want. Right, so I hope that answers that. Sorry about the tangent then. I just, I, I do like talking about resilience in that mindset piece um, because I think it's fucking super important. Um, and I was talking, how did I get another conversation with my brother? I think we're talking about jujitsu. That's right. Because um, he's um, looking at getting his kids into it and I hope he starts doing it as well. But, um, you know, we're talking about that. And I think, yeah, just this day and age, you know, there's not a lot of resilience. Like we've got a fucking great life. Like, Mate, if you don't want to leave your house, you don't have to. You know, you can, you can order everything online. You know, everything's fucking easy to do. You know, you don't, you know, it's life's very easy now. So we need to, we need to go out and seek that resilience piece. We need to make ourselves uncomfortable. Um, you know, and, and if you do, you know, it, it does help you deal with life a lot better. Um, you know, and, I know for myself, being in the military, you do some really fucking hard things, right? And then, you know, being overseas in deployment, you have some stuff happen that's fucking super stressful, right? But you look at it and then I can relate that back to now. Something will happen in my life now and I'll think, okay, yeah, that's shit. But it's not as shit as this other position I've been in that I've dealt with before. Um, You know, so it's all about building that resilience piece. And it is something definitely, if you don't, if you're not in a position in your work or you weren't born into a life that made you resilient, you need to go seek it. You need to fucking push yourself. You need to go make yourself uncomfortable, right? And you need to build that resilience.
Um, that's enough on that. All right. <laughs> so, um, so the next one's from Susan. Um, for intermittent fasting, what is the difference in various time splits? Um, basically, she's only done eight sixteen um, with ten fourteen. Or other splits have different benefits. So, for those playing along at home, intermittent intermittent fasting. Fuck, I'm struggling today with my words. Intermittent fasting is basically where you don't eat for a set period of time, all right, and then you consume food under a set period of time. So, and um, like a ten fourteen might be stop eating. Uh, what's what's a standard one? Um, uh, like an eight sixteen, you might eight sixteen, all right. You might start eating at twelve o'clock, like lunchtime, and then have your last meal at eight pm at night. Um, so, what I think about right with nutrition or basically anything, um, I think if if this was the best way to do it professional the majority i'm not going to say every i wrote down every in my notes but that's probably incorrect the majority of professional athletes will be doing it so um what was that vegan one that came out i'm trying to think of it oh game changers so when game changers come out i think it i think it did a good job in highlighting the fact we should probably consume more veggies i know for me especially um but they kind of in that documentary, if you want to loosely call it a documentary, they really push that this is the best way for for performance, which is bullshit because if it was the best way for performance, the majority of professional athletes would be doing it. And I won't go into it, but the um yeah, anyways, I won't go into the actual documentary or give it a watch, it's all right, but just watch it from the point of view that I should eat more veggies, not I should only go um, eat plant-based foods, or I just watch it from that point of view. Um, so I think about that with everything, like my training, nutrition, everything. If if this was the best way to do it, all right, every well, majority of professional athletes would be doing it. What you need to find out is the best way for you to be doing something. So the best way is whatever works for you and you can sustain. So with that 8, 16 or 10, 14, it's only two hours. It's not going to make a big difference. Um, for myself, the way I do it is I'm very loose with it. So if I'm training um, after lunch, what I'll do is generally skip breakfast and just eat lunch and dinner. If I'm training in the morning, um, then I'll have you know two bits of toast, then something after I train. Um, and, but if it's a light session, then I'll generally have like a light lunch and then a normal dinner, or if it's a big session in the morning, I'll have breakfast, then I'll have my three meals for that day. Um, so I don't do it religiously or I'm not super strict on it. I do it depending on the day and what my training is. Um, basically there's a few, when I had a look into this, there's a few different ways to do intermittent fasting. Um, if you want to do it. The, the main benefit I look at it is weight loss or maintenance because what it does do is it gives you set rules or guidelines to follow and it reduces the time you can eat, which redu reduces your caloric intake, so the amount of food you can consume. 
Um, those are the main benefits from my point of view with it. Um, you know, basically you just got to find what's going to work for you and what you can sustain long-term. Now, I talk about this a lot. Like I, I talk about um, what you can sustain long-term and what we do in my program is we do a, we do a habits based approach. So there's no, you must eat only proteins and veggies, no carbs or keto or anything. We don't put a name to it. It's just healthy habits. So in our program, we look at just focusing on protein and greens, right? And then if you want to put some carbs on your plate, but we're just creating healthy habits. We're not following a strict guideline. It's flexible, which works well with families, um, shift workers, especially, um, you know, but, and this isn't to say like, keto or whatever is bad because I think it's got its place like following a strict diet or nutrition plan definitely have has its place like I remember when I was training for uh I was in the Fires calendar a few years ago um when I was training for that I was I was really strict I was carb cycling and I was really strict on my nutrition and that was great because I learned a lot is it something that I could sustain long term no it's, it wasn't but it was definitely something that gave me a lot of insight and a lot of information. The biggest issue with this is, right, is when you don't have a plan. So when I talk to people that come into the group that reach out and say they, they want help with their training or nutrition, if it's nutrition-based, something I always ask them is, what have you done in the past that has worked? And the reason why I ask is because fucking everyone has done something in the past. Like no one... No one suddenly gets to a weight that they're uncomfortable with and then goes, oh, I should probably try something. Along the along the journey to get to that uncomfortable weight, there's been things that everyone's done that they've tried to lose weight, whether it's keto, um, Weight Watchers, what, whatever they've tried. Someone's always, you've always done something. And that's why I always ask this question, okay, what have you done in the past that has worked? And I'll, I'll bring this up. I was just talking to someone yesterday, I think it was, and he mentioned he did keto. And it's, and he put the weight back on because it just wasn't sustainable. So as soon as he started eating the bread and the carbs and that, he put the weight back on. Um, so what you can do, all right, you can go back to keto. That's okay. If that gave you the results to start off with, then go back to it. Because if we can get those little wins along the way, okay, that's okay. But what you want to do is have a plan coming out of it. So the problem with like, say... Uh, I guess a diet as such, it has like an end date. Okay. So whenever something has an end date, you kind of fall off the wagon a bit afterwards. And, and I did this when I did a, um, I did like a six hour endurance mountain bike race a few years ago. And this is what happened to me. I trained hard, trained hard, smashed myself, smashed myself, did the race, didn't ride for like a fucking year and a half afterwards. Cause I just completely cooked myself. I didn't have a plan in place afterwards about what I was going to do with my writing. Um, I hit my goal and then I left it. Now, this happens a lot with nutrition as well. So you got like a 12-week, say you do a 12-week keto diet, right? You get to that week 12 and you go, fuck yeah, I've done it. Bang, I lost 10 kilos, 12 kilos. Now what? Right, you go back to your old way of eating because there's no plan. There's no process in place for after you've got those results. So we focus on a habits program because... I know it's sustainable long-term, but we've had clients come to us and go, okay, keto, I've done keto in the past. 
I'm going to do that again. Okay, do that. Follow our habits, but do the keto program because with our habits, you can mold them to fit whatever diet or nutrition plan you want to follow. But say we're going to do that for 12 weeks, you do your keto for 12 weeks, speed up the results, you know, get what you want. But then we're going to have a plan. We're going to have those healthy habits in place so that you don't fall off at the end. Um, you know, and I always talk about, I always harp on about sustainable long-term, sustainable long-term. But if you have like, do what you want to do. Like if you, and I know this is a big one for ladies. Um, you know, if you've got a wedding coming up in 12 weeks and you want to fucking drop some serious weight because you want to, you know, look the best you you feel like you can in your wedding. And I, I tell you right now, like your husband's going to think you're beautiful either way. Um, but, you know, this is something that my wife done, you know, she wanted to lose weight before the wedding. You know, do that 12-week program. Fucking smash yourself, reduce your calories. That's not going to be sustainable long-term. That's fine. But have a plan in place. After your wedding, after your honeymoon, make sure there's a plan in place that you can, you know, that you're not going to blow back out. That you're going to maintain that that progress, that momentum that you've got and not just going to lose it all. So just saying to think about, went off a bit off tangent there again um, from the intermittent fasting. So basically, you know, the, the benefit of the time differences, just whatever works best for you, that's what's going to be the main benefit out of it. As far as going into it technically, I ha- had a look at the research no, they were all talking about like different ways or this way is better, that way is better. Um, just whatever works for you and whatever feels best for you um, is going to be the best system to follow. Um, as I said, I do do intermittent fasting at times, but I'm not super strict with it. Um, I just use more of like a habits-based approach. Um, and just like I said then, I spoke about it for a bit, but like if you want to do keto, if you've had results with keto in the past, go do it. That's fine. Um you know, and, and if you if you listen to some of my earlier podcasts, I, I might have changed my tune on this. I can't remember exactly what I said a year ago, but that's my view on it now is um, basically, you know, do, do the keto if that's what got your results in the past, but have a plan coming out of it. Say, you know, I'm going to do keto for six weeks to make sure that I'm super strict on my nutrition. I get back into that program. Okay, but then have a plan after that six weeks. What are you going to do? How are you going to maintain your nutrition? Although you're not going to be doing the keto diet anymore. So just have a plan in place. So um, I spoke about the nutrition, our healthy habits program we run in the show notes below. I'm going to drop a video or a link to a video in the members page. Um, That's basically how to use a nutrition essentials booklet. Um, And then also underneath that, I'm going to drop the nutrition essentials booklet there as well for you to have a look at. So I hope that helps. Um, Sorry about the tangents, but I just love talking about that stuff. Um, If you have any questions at all, just hit me up. Thanks guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Police Fit Podcast. Now, I'm going to ask you to do what everyone else asks you to do as well. Can you please subscribe, like, and share the podcast? The more people we can get it in front of, the more people we can help. Now, on that too, if you've got any questions at all, please shoot me a message on Facebook. I'll cover it off in the podcast. I'll give you the most amount of information that I can. And please, if you need help with your fitness, training, mindset, anything, please reach out and ask me. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to help you out. You just need to ask. Thanks, guys.